Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Isaac's Autism Well podcast. Today, I have Jim Matthews, who you might know this name because of his connection with SOAR, Behavioral Services here in Spokane. But today, we are talking about something a little bit different. He is the board president of the new Ascend Academy here in Spokane. So I have Jim joining me today so we can talk a little bit about this new school and how it's going to benefit loved ones touched by autism. So Jim, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Hi, Holly. Thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. So I got your your email last week about the fact that you guys are starting a new school here in Spokane. One of the things that caught my eye was it's for just kids on the autism spectrum. And while it's private school, the key word here is, is that it's free. And that's not something you hear. Normally, when you think of a free school, you're thinking public education. But this is a free private school opportunity specifically for kids on the spectrum. So I wanted to just have you on and talk a little bit about how this came to be. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. It is a private school and it is free. And just like you said, um, you know, when families think of free, they think public school. When they think of private school, they think maybe some more individualized, specialized, you know, uh, family and kid focused help. Um, But there's a price to that. Um, We, the board of Ascend Academy, have been working with public schools and families who have been touched by autism and who have children with autism um, for many, many years now. And one thing that we've seen consistently is that a lot of our families who have kids who have really more significant needs, either behavioral needs or skill development needs, a lot of the time those families don't feel like their needs are being met in whatever educational setting they're in. And you know, we've done our best to try to work with Um, the different service providers, whether it's public schools or private schools or what have you. Um, But eventually we kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, this is something that is um, tremendously desired by families, um, something that can be tremendously helpful. And really it's something that we should just start ourselves. Um, And rather than charging families for private school, um, we wanted to figure out a way to make it free. So that's what we did. Um, we're a nonprofit. We uh, take all of our money through community donations. It's all funded through community donation. Um, and we specialize in autism specifically. Um, so all of our kids at Ascend uh, will have an autism diagnosis. Um, every single one of them will have a one-on-one paraeducator, a one-on-one behavior technician assigned to them for every single kid. Um, and they'll be um, overseen by a special education teacher who's certified in the state of Washington. Very um, cool. Yeah. What's the age range that you are going to be having at the Ascend Academy? Yeah, so right now we're taking kids grade K through five. Um, we wanted to start with that because there's a need across the board. Um, I'll start by saying that there's a need all the way from preschool all the way up to uh, 21, you know. Um, but 
we understand the importance of getting in and getting intervention in as early as possible, which is why we wanted to start off with grades K through five. Um, we are hoping to open it up to middle school and high school, hopefully of September of 2022. Um, that'll depend on how everything goes during this first sort of pilot phase. Um, but we are hoping to expand. We already have lots of interest through all ages, but the first sort of round of kiddos is going to be ages K through five. I love this. You know, I have always said that I would have loved to have my son Caleb in a private school. Just public school scared me. It's a lot of students, especially in the district that we're in. It's one of the largest public schools in the state of Washington. And my fear was is that he would get lost. I don't know how individualized, even though these are IEPs, individual education programs. I wasn't really that sure about how individualized it was going to be. You know, he doesn't qualify for an, a one-on-one. So there was just a lot of things that had me concerned. But one of the things that's always deterred me from private education is, well, number one, the cost. Number two is, is that private schools don't have to put in place an individual education program. So they don't have an IEP process. And now some, some private schools still will have that philosophy of individualized education plans for all students, but it is a little bit more complicated when you're talking about a student with autism. And exactly what you're saying is, is that more severe, the more needs that that child has, the less opportunity those kids have to be in a private school setting, at least from what I have seen over the years, which is really unfortunate. I love that you're doing this. And one of the rubs that I have with public school, and it's not necessarily a concern for me because I am a parent that chooses to pull my child out for therapy intervention. So he misses part of his school day on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and he doesn't necessarily complain. But today he was commenting on how he is disappointed this year in science and particularly, well, science is the class that he only gets to experience on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday because he's gone and doesn't actually have that class on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So one of his associations is, you know, it's nothing fun. Well, there is fun stuff, but he's missing it on the days that we're pulling him out to do therapy interventions. And so we've had this fight with some school districts in the area about being able to actually have ABA services done while in the classroom and that some school districts are doing it. Some are not allowing ABA providers into the classroom to be able to support that child with ABA intervention. So this is a really cool option because it is a private school setting. Every student has a one-on-one and during the course of their school day, are they or are they not being able to access their ABA hours that they would then have to access after school? Yes, they are. Yes, that's exactly it. So every single kid will be getting ABA throughout the entire school day. Um, And that was was actually one of the primary reasons that we started this. Um, Families so often, like you just said, have to choose between sending their kid to school or getting therapy. There's all kinds of different ways that families handle that. Some parents pull their kids out for part of the school day. Um, Some parents say, well, we're just going to skip ABA. Some parents say we're just going to skip the educational process. And none of those are good options. None of them are ideal. Um, And that's something that we've felt really strongly about for a very long time now. And that's really what led us to start this school. I think this is so, this is so good. This is going to be such a great thing because here's the other thing too, is it shortens the child's day because, you know, they get up, they start school. Then after school, if you're lucky enough to have your ABA appointments after school, you're not done until six or seven o'clock at night. I'm sorry. But if I was doing something from start of school, which is between eight or eight 30 
Um, and seven o'clock at night, I would not be my best self. And then how much learning can you really cram into a child when that's the demand, that's the load that we're putting on them. So I think this is actually very, very smart. Now, how many kids are you taking for, I hate to say pilot because you guys know exactly what you're doing, but it's a soft launch. Maybe we call it a soft launch. Um, so how many students are you taking K through five in the soft launch phase? Yeah, so we're going to enroll our first group will be 20 students. We're already getting tons of applications for it. The deadline to apply is December 10th for priority admission. Um, we still will be taking applications after that, but we expect that we'll probably fill everything. Those it's, it's only 20 spots to start with, so we expect that we'll fill that with that priority group. But yeah, 20 kids. 20 kids. Now, can you tell me a little bit, I have your website up while I'm talking, so I actually know the answers to this, but my listeners don't because they don't have the benefit of your website, which I'm going to give you. It's ascendacademy.org. I'm going to put the link to the academy in the show notes so people can find it. But just so people know there, can you talk a little bit about what the admissions process is? Because there, it's a little non-traditional. It's not like probably registering for a, a typical private school. Right. Correct. So for families that want to apply to Ascend that think that it would be a good fit for their kiddo, they should go to our website. So that's ascendacademy.org. Um, click on the admissions link. All the steps are listed out there. Um, when we're looking at kids that would be a good fit for what we can provide, really what we're looking for is kiddos that can really benefit from a more intensive behavioral skill development sort of setting. Um, if your kiddo really needs that like social interaction with typical peers in like a general education classroom, Ascend probably isn't the right fit because this is going to be entirely special education, entirely kids who have autism. So really, like I said, what we're looking for is kids that have more significant needs, um, maybe significant behavioral needs, um, significant skill development needs, um, something that really isn't able to be met in a typical public school setting, in which case we would have them come to Ascend. We would work with them until we can get all of that going along smoothly and chugging along and then hopefully transition them successfully back into a public school so they can hopefully participate more in general education. For a lot of our kids, we're hoping that will be the case. Um, for some of our kids, they may need to stay at Ascend indefinitely. It's all very individualized, but that's essentially what would make a good fit for Ascend Academy. That's amazing. I think that that's important to know that this isn't an end all situation, meaning that once you switch over to the Ascend Academy, it's not that your public school will not take them back. So there is that because when becomes more of a difficult decision if that means that you're opting out of public education and that door will be closing. But the answer to that is that no, the door doesn't close. This is just a solution for the short term. But for those that need it and for those parents that feel as though the exposure and connection with the gen ed is not necessarily suiting their child's best needs, then it makes more sense that maybe the Ascend Academy is the place long-term to be. Right. Now, is it then with 20 students, every, that's a lot of one-on-ones. And if you have 20 students in your classroom and you have one-on-ones that are there and behavior techs and a teacher, I'm taking your, I'm guessing you're going to be analyzing the kids and then breaking them into different classrooms. So then that way you can control the setting. Right. So everything is very, very individualized, just like in 
an individualized educational plan should be. Yes. Um, so Boy, if I've got it. If I had a nickel every time I've said it's an individualized, <laughs> even for my own child, where I'm like, well, again, this is individualized, so I don't care what you're doing for other students. So exactly, yeah. So and there will be multiple cases where kids are working together and where it could be beneficial to be working as a group. There are also going to be lots of cases where kids are working individually with their one-on-one behavior technician, their paraeducator. And there will also be times where they're meeting maybe one-on-one with their teacher to work on some sort of skill or whatever they might be individualized working on. It really is just going to vary depending on what the needs of that kiddo are. We have a pretty large space. We share space with SOAR Behavior Services. I was um, going to ask that, where the location was going to be. Yeah, it's, a, it's North Spokane. Uh, the address is 1117 East Westview Court. It's sort of uh, just east of the Y on Division, sort of around that like medical kind of area. Yeah, we do share space there. We have a separate classroom for Ascend Academy, but there's also separate rooms where kids can go into if they need to be, you know, on their own or, you know, working with their paraeducator on their own. So yeah, it's all just very individualized and it'll depend on what the individual goals for that kiddo are. And that's what they would be doing that day. Is it safe to say then their day would be a balance between skill building, even maybe some self-regulation and self-care along with academics, or are you really just focusing on more behavioral goals and, you know, emotional regulation? Will there be some academics? Yeah, so it's all of the above. So that's, and that is what we're going for. So if you sort of contrast with the, you know, traditional like sort of public school setting, a lot of the time what you'll see is, you know, maybe a kiddo needs ABA therapy, um, but they also need educational intervention, right? Um, But there's these like two silos where ABA might be working not even in the schools, but only at the kid's home or if you're fortunate enough to be in a district that allows ABA into the district, then ABA is still there, but they're kind of doing their own thing. They're not necessarily the same team as the school. What we're trying to do is combine all of that into one synchronous experience for the kid. So they're working on academics, behavior, and emotional regulation all at the same time because everybody's on the same team, right? Uh, The teacher, the ABA therapists, everybody is there, part of that same group, working with those kids together. And that's really the goal. So yeah, they all of our kiddos still will be meeting the same academic standards in a modified way, just like you would get in special education, but they'll still be meeting the same academic standards, working on the same academic content for their grade level and getting the emotional and behavioral regulation skills that they would get with ABA all under the same roof. In terms of then report cards, is it kind of, so you guys will be doing report cards per se, because again, there are requirements on by the state that governs, you know, academically what has to be covered in a traditional school year. So all of that stuff would be the same. But again, it's individualized for each student that you have there at. Yeah, exactly. So just like when you have a kiddo who has an IEP, you're supposed to get progress reports on their goals periodically. I just got mine in the mail. It's funny you should say that. Here's all all of the the packet of goal progress reports for all of his areas of qualification. Oh, yeah. I just got mine for my son, too. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you're supposed to be getting those progress reports periodically, at least as often as general education students get get, um, progress reports and report cards. We will do more than that. So we're going to be giving those same progress reports. But there's also going to be a quarterly meeting between the entire team and the parent, if the parent wants to, and if they're able to attend like a parent-teacher conference, but more frequent. Um, Because we, 
we really want parents to be involved in their kids' education and really want them to know what's going on. And what's more important, we really want their input in the educational process. We think, you know, so often parents, you know, attend an IEP meeting and they, they're supposed to be part of that team, but very often they don't feel like they're part of that team. And we really want to sort of turn that on its head and make parents and kids the focal point of that group. So we plan on meeting with parents more frequently than just giving a progress report. I love that. As part of this, I was just thinking that my kids went to private preschools and one of the stipulations, depending on which particular preschool you were involved in is, is a certain amount of volunteering. Now that probably doesn't make sense because you already have very full classrooms, but that was my next question is when it comes to parent participation in some sort of education, because I really think that parents need to be lifelong students when we're talking about autism, how to advocate, you know, what goals, what should we be working towards? So are there elements of, while it's not volunteering, like you might, what you might see in a standard private school, are, are there some kind of benchmarks in terms of required parent participation in education or training? So that that way, when you leave school and you're going home, there's some continuity between school and home? Yeah, 100%. So we, again, very individualized, but some kiddos, we are going to recommend more parent involvement because maybe the parents really want to get strategies. Maybe they really want to learn how to work with their kiddo in the home environment. Maybe some parents already are very strong in those areas. And we would talk about maybe more advanced topics and behavior analysis or education or whatever it might be. So while we won't necessarily require parent involvement, we more than welcome it and we'll strongly encourage it, I'll say. Well, Um, yes, because your quality of life can improve exponentially if you have some of those same strategies from the classroom that are working. The continuity is really what's important. It's getting everybody on the same page so that, again, it's a lot of them being able to predict the expectation, understand the expectation. And if that's carried home, then we're going to start seeing some, I think, real significant strides just in terms of emotional regulation and meeting some of those goals. Yeah. And I think like what's happened so often in Washington is there are all these different services that kids can access if they have a need to access them. They might get educational services, they might get ABA, they might get speech therapy or physical therapy, occupational therapy. But all of these different services are kind of their own silos, right? And and they don't necessarily communicate or work together, right? They're not working in opposition necessarily, but they're not all always on the same page. And what we're trying to do at Ascend is really disrupt that, that model and make it easier for parents to have one team that they can access that knows their kid and that involves them and that really helps their kid to progress in the ways that they need to be progressing. That is so true. One of the things that we do at the Isaac Foundation, and I know the Arca Spokane does it as well, you know, we do intakes where we have parents that are contacting us because, again, if you don't know the, tr- uh, the trigger words to ask for a certain service or gate to open, if you know what I mean, then families are left out. So because if they don't know, then they don't know what to ask for. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges is that there's no, nobody hands you an index card of the buzzwords that when you're going into some of these meetings, when you're working with these different agencies, and when I say agencies, I mean organizations like DDA um, or your school districts, whatever the case may be, social security. If you don't know what to ask for because you don't understand the system, then those doors don't necessarily get open for you. 
that's part of what Isaac Foundation tries to do. We spend a lot of our time just connecting families to resources because you're just eliminating a lot of the guesswork for families to try and figure out what to go and ask for, where to find the websites, because a lot of this stuff now is all online. And it's not, even for me, it's not easy to navigate to try and find those links. And I know that the Erica Spokane spends a great deal of their time in their parent-to-parent department you know, helping families, we're unlocking the code, if you will, of what to be asking for. Think that when you're absolutely right, some of the biggest code cracking is at a district level when you don't know what your rights are for an IUP. You don't really, you're not, they don't make some of these programs or individual Um, you know, when you talk about ABLE programs, you know, what is the DI program offered at this district? What's a BI program? Why is my child being moved from a DI environment? You know, so there's a lot of stuff that you don't know. You have to have like the, the, the decoder book really to understand that. And every district is different. So you can't just go to the state website and learn it all because every single school district has different offerings and they call it different things. They have different criteria for why they recommend certain kids in certain places. How they move them around is also very confusing. So I think that you're absolutely right when you're you're taking away a lot of that complexity by offering this type of educational environment. So that's going to be exciting to see. Yeah. Parents shouldn't have to spend their time decoding or translating special ed talk, right? They should spend their time providing their input and learning about their child and how to work with their child. Um, that's, that's a better use of their time than using a dictionary to translate everything the special ed team is saying. So. Well, I have to be honest with you. I don't honestly feel like I should have to spend so much time trying to, to decode all the different districts that we have families who are in, in to, you know, and I'm not even talking about even Spokane. We're talking about our outlying counties as well. You have to learn some of those rural counties and how the districts work. It's like so complicated that I get a little owly when I have to spend so much time trying to understand the different programs and, and how they're functioning so that, we can help families know what to advocate for. So I'm with you. I'm a school psychologist and even, even I have a really hard time understanding all the different idiosyncrasies between all the different districts. And it's not necessarily their fault. It's just the way the system has been set up. And, you know, I, like I have formal education in understanding this stuff and even I struggle with it. So I can only imagine what it's like for a parent. That actually makes me feel very much better, Jen, because you know, you're helping to normalize my frustration and I don't feel like a complete idiot because it, it does take a lot of time and, and expertise to try and figure it out. And it's not, it doesn't come natural. Let me just tell you. Question for you. When does Ascend begin? Like, when are you going to actually be opening your classroom for maybe a, a ribbon cutting ceremony? Is that, I'm guessing if you're taking applications for priority consideration is December 10th. But after that, like when are you expecting this classroom environment to actually begin? So we're going to have a family orientation on January 3rd. Um, That will be the first day back from winter break. And then the first day of school would be January 4th. But even that is very individualized. We might have some kids that, you know, coming back from winter break, they're going to want to go back to their home school and say bye to their friends and their teacher. And that's perfectly fine. They can do that and then start Ascend maybe a week or so later. For some kids, having that many transitions is going to be difficult and it might be easier for them to just end winter break and go straight into Ascend, in which case we'll do that too. So at the official first day of school is January 4th. The official um, parent orientation is January 3rd. Um, but all of that can be sort of individualized to whatever's going to work best for that kid and family. 
Oh, very cool. Have you talked to the school districts in the area? Are they aware that you're opening up the Ascend Academy? I'm just curious. They are. I've, I've contacted them via email just to let them know. We don't have any any animosity towards the school districts. They have, Honestly, they do a fantastic job with a lot of kids, but even they would recognize that there are some kids that are better served by a more intensive level of intervention. There actually already exists a model for that. It's called non-public agency. Um, there are schools out there that are what are called non-public agencies where the public school district will pay that non-public agency to educate their students. However, the threshold for getting into a non-public agency in NPA is typically very, very, very high. It's very difficult for a family to get their kiddo enrolled in an NPA, frankly, because the school district is paying for it. And is that the resistance from the school district wanting to release those funds over to the non-public agency for that service? Yeah, I, I would imagine that it's um, to a large extent a, a budgetary kind of decision. That's not typically how it's presented to families. Usually it's presented as though, well, we can meet your kiddos needs within our district. But the experience for quite a few families is that doesn't necessarily happen. So having a free private school really sort of circumvents that. It goes around that issue where it's not the public school paying for it and parents are able to access the education that they want for their child without having to fight to get somebody else to pay for it. That's true. Now, when we're talking about this, it becomes a little complicated because for special education students, the school districts receive extra funding for them. So every student that has an IEP has a higher dollar amount allocated. Federal funding comes to the state, then the state matches that, and then it comes to the district. So that was, I guess, my concern is, is that if you have more private school opportunities for kids on the autism spectrum, is that going to create a pushback from the school districts? Because again, that means that they are losing some of those special education dollars, which let's be clear, the dollars that are allocated from the federal government and the state level do not fully cover the cost of that child's, the cost needed to cover all of the services for that child. Let's be real. So I would think that it shouldn't be for some districts a huge loss or a concern for them. But for some of the smaller districts, it can be significant. If you're talking about a smaller, you know, school district that maybe is outside in the county, that can be a larger concern. Yeah, it is. It's a very careful line that we're trying to walk. We we don't want to. <laughs> it's a little tango, if you will. <laughs> you don't want to disrupt that because again, right. Well, and, and money we is what the world, money is where the world turns round, right? I hate yeah. to say it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do want kids to attend public schools. There are so many benefits to public school, right? Um, if you don't have such significant skill deficits or behavioral challenges that you can, you know, make friends and socialize with peers in public schools, that's a great place to access peer relationships, maybe participate in general education. But for a lot of kids, that's not yet where they are, right? And the further away you get from that, the more intensive the behavioral needs, the more intensive the skill deficits, the more support you need. And that's where those funds start to not really cover what's needed, right? Um, and in my opinion, we at Ascend are better set up to meet those needs um, with the understanding that we're going to work hard on getting those behaviors under control, teaching kids emotional regulation, and building up some skills so they can hopefully transition back into public schools and start making friends and start participating in general ed. 
Um, so that's the hope. Um, you know, public schools, like I said, I think do a fantastic job for a lot of kids. But there is a subset of kids that can be better served in a more supportive environment like Ascend. That sounds absolutely amazing. Now, one other question I had was, in order to be able to be considered, does it help or is it necessary to be a SOAR current client? Or is that really not part of the process of consideration? Yeah, that's not part of the process. Um, Ascend is a completely separate organization from SOAR. We do work with SOAR and SOAR provides um, ABA therapy in Ascend. Um, but Ascend, other than that, Ascend is separate from SOAR Behavior Services. No, so uh, current families at SOAR Behavior Services don't get priority admission to Ascend. Like I said, we're, we're really just trying to admit kids that can really benefit the most from this kind of a setting, um, whether that's current SOAR clients or not. We're looking for kids that have those um, significant needs that can be well-served in a more integrated kind of setting. Gotcha. Well, this is wonderful. So as the board president, are you kind of then the principal? Is that? <laughs> yeah, right now I am the principal. I'm the principal and the marketer and the community relations. And <laughs> donor development. I was going to yeah, say, don't right. count out the donor development piece because <laughs> that right. as a, another nonprofit, let me just tell you, that is a large portion. I'm the executive director over here at Isaac Foundation and a large portion of my responsibility is this donor development because right. you're going to cover your budget and this is no small price tag to create a public school type of environment in a private sector world, it's going to take funding. So if I have families that are really excited about this and want to support you financially for this particular mission, how would you recommend that I have families recommend or connect with you? Um, to connect what to be enrolled or? No, for support, financial support, because again, you're a nonprofit. This is a free private school that's being funded by outside donations. So are you already pretty well set in terms of covering the, the financial need that you have to start the school? Or are you still looking for people to financially support you? Um, we are well set for um, covering the financial need to start the school. Um, well, that's fantastic. That usually doesn't happen, Jim. That's why as a nonprofit person to another nonprofit, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like we better, you know, let people know that there's a need. Yeah. Um, that being said, we're happy to take donations too. Yeah. Um, if they are interested, I would encourage them to reach out to us. It's hello at ascendacademy.org. Um, we can get more information through those means. But yeah, to start off, we are well set to, to get going and get kids educated. We expect that we'll be fine for the foreseeable future, better than fine. I, I think we've been able to gather a good amount that we can provide a lot of really good services to kids. So. Fantastic. See, already you're doing better than I am. You got to teach me your ways, sir, because I'm still looking at covering my budget for 2022. So, and you're like a brand new nonprofit and you already have it like, I, we got it dialed in. We are ready yeah. to go. So. <laughs> yeah. That's a really good place to be. Any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners about Ascend Academy? Um, one other thing that I forgot to mention earlier, something that's commonly experienced by families is this summer regression. Oh. Where, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, where they'll go to school for you know nine, 10 months out of the year and not get education or any schooling during the summer. They may get extended school year, but typically that's maybe a couple weeks during the summer. But what happens is they come back in September having lost probably half of what they learned or more in the previous school year. So it's sort of this like two steps forward, one step back experience for the entire time that your kiddo's in school. Ascend is open for 12 months per year. We aren't going to be closing during the summer. That's not to say families can't go on vacation. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. um, 
But again, we want to try to alleviate some of those challenges experienced by kids and families. And we're doing that, we're addressing that summer regression issue by staying open for 12 months. You know what? It's so funny that you mentioned that because I mentioned that I pull Caleb out of school in order to work with his, his therapist. One of the things I'm also a real stickler for is, is that I always make sure that the IEP goals are things that we're actually working on also in therapy, because again, consistency, we're working towards what better way of making sure that we're helping him achieve these goals in his IEP than also working in the private world. Funny thing about this, you know, they, my kids were out of school for quite a while because they were doing virtual learning all of last year. With that being said, when they did some assessments early on in the school year, they told me during Caleb's IEP in October that he was one of just a handful of kids, not just special ed kids, but gen ed kids as well, that didn't have significant regression. He actually was slightly ahead of his last state testing, SVAC testing scores, which would have been, I guess, in 2019. In 20, actually, it must have been 2018 because 2019 they didn't, they weren't in school to do the spring SVAC tests. Then they were out of school and doing virtual learning almost all of 2020. Um, they just went back so that, but they didn't do the state testing last school year. So this was the first time and they moved it up into this, the, the first part of the year. So I was actually shocked, but I really honestly think that it was because we really did it, you know, a a real conscious effort of making sure that his school IEP goals were some of those goals that were being addressed in private therapy. And so I felt very good about that. So this whole continuity of school year round, um, you can still build in your vacations. I'm guessing you probably are still going to have spring break and all the traditional holidays, like a traditional school, you might see at a traditional school. So, you know, don't let that scare you. Really. I think that there is some really strong benefits for having that year round school for that regression, because, oh, it is a real thing. Now I can't say that the same was actually said for my other children that are not, that are neurotypical, that don't do therapy interventions. They actually, the seniors had some regression of, of knowledge, but um, Caleb was not part of that. And again, not just among special ed students, it was among his general ed peers as well. So I think it's fantastic. I love everything about that year-round school. I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, everything that we're doing is really an attempt to just fix all of those issues that arise for families so that they don't have to worry about, you know, challenging IP meetings. They don't have to worry about what are they going to do during the summer. They don't have to worry about how are they going to work out getting schooling and APA at the same time. We're trying to take all of that off the table and solve it for families so they can really just focus on being a good parent. Yes, that's very exciting. Well, I cannot wait to see how this soft, I'm calling it a soft lunch for you because I hate to say it's a pilot. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I always think of pilots with TV shows and pilots can get canceled. And so this oh, yeah. is just the soft launch. This is the soft, soft launch for Ascend. The goal is, is that next school year, you're, you want to increase your capacity. The deadline is December 10th. Yes, and so I will put the link in the show notes so everybody can find it. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, the hello at ascendacademy.org would be a good place to start in terms of asking questions. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, they can check out our website, ascendacademy.org. They have more specific- Very well laid out. Very well laid out. 
Oh, thank you. I also made our websites. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, I like the one, two, three step process. That actually is very helpful for people. Yeah. 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 Again, we're trying to make it as easy as we can for families. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, so hello just at jack of all trades. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hello at ascendacademy.org um, website, ascendacademy.org, um, or they can give us a call. Our number is on the website. So. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Jim. I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to podcast maybe like down the road and you can give us an update how it's going. But with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.